0: The following episode of Cinema Recall contains adult language, movie spoilers, and situations some may find to be objectionable, so listener discretion is strongly advised. Buddy, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Cinema Recall podcast. I'm your host, The Vern, and I'm going to be creating a new series on this podcast, and I'm going to call it "Forgotten Filmmakers." Uh, these are going to be a series of shows talking about directors who had a successful start to their career. And then it just went under to the wayside. And today, I'm going to be talking about filmmaker Neil LaButte. Now, the name Neil Labute is not familiar to you. He is best known for directing one of the worst remakes of all time. I'm talking about 2006's The Wicker Man. That's right, the same the same one where Nicolas Cage wears a bear suit and punches women. And then it has CGI bees all over him. Uh, all the famous memes of Nicolas Cage started with The Wicker Man. And it's really kind of funny because if you look at Neela Butte's earlier movies, I mean, they were far different than The Wicker Man. I mean, he... Uh, most of his movies were dialogue-driven, and uh, they were controversial. Uh, it was sort of like um, like Lars von Trier or David Cronenberg, uh, but using mostly dialogue. His film, Your Friends and Neighbors, got an NC-17 rating when it first was submitted to the NBAA NC-17 and that movie has no gore and no sex it's just dialogue uh so I really want to do a quick episode talking about Neil Abute and his movies and what happened between his first feature and The Wicked Man and Beyond so we're gonna take a small break I gotta play some ads from some other podcast shows and then we'll be back with our discussion all right we'll return after these messages
1: This is the Junk Podcast, where one person's junk is another person's childhood. I'm Matt McGraw. And I'm Kyle Smith. Join us each week as we take a deep dive into your pop culture consciousness and discuss everything from movies, TV, music, cartoons, toys, video games, and more. And we want to hear from you, so connect with us. Nostalgia means so many different things to so many different people so share with us your favorite piece of nostalgia you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. and you can subscribe to us on all the major podcast platforms let's get this thing up to 88 miles per hour and we'll see you next week there is nothing wrong with your headphones Do not attempt to skip ahead. We are controlling the transmission, and you are now tuned in to Channel 83. We are the TV Guide for Weirdos, the video word made flesh, Evangelists of the Obscure, a weekly horror podcast dedicated to bringing you the best, worst, and weirdest that the genre has to offer. I'm your host, Chris, and every week, I'm here to guide you through forgotten classics, unknown schlock. Foreign oddities, and everything in between. If you're a horror fan with a taste for the stranger side of cinema, follow us on Twitter at, at channel83pod. Drop by our website, channel83.video, and find us on all the major podcast platforms. We now return control of your device to you. Long live the new flesh.
0: Edward Batch, thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode of Cinema Recall. Alright, so, Neil Butte was born on March 19th, 1963, in Detroit, Michigan. He went to college at Brigham Young University and started putting on plays that challenged the ideals of the conservative-based college. But he ended up winning a lot of awards while being there, despite all the controversy. It was at BYU where he met actor Aaron Eckhart. Man, Aaron Eckhart, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I mean, he had a big career with um, The Dark Knight as Two-Face, and he was also really good in Thank You for Smoking. Man, I'll, I'll have to do another episode about him. Uh, but anyways, uh, he used Aaron Eckhart and a lot of productions at the college, and he used them for his feature film debut, which was In the Company of Men. Here's a clip.
2: I hate this guy. Oh, I hate that guy too. He's a little bastard. You ever met him, Jerry something? No. Lucky you. Oh, I hate that dude right there. Is it Craig or Greg? One of those from Pittsburgh. Oh, he sucks, Dick. Hey. How's it going? Good. I haven't seen you since what? It's new Jersey, that one seminar. Yeah, they've been told me they set you up here, so I uh well, this is nice. Yeah, believe this shit. When did they ship you out here? About ten days ago, training on the new DACCOM system. Oh great. Hey, I know her. Ooh, look at that face. Cunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looks it. Anyway. Yeah, so you guys are up here to finish up the Computex thing they got going, right? Yep, in and out, six weeks. be nice. Hey, that guy you're with, what's his story? I can't get a read on him yet. He's cool. It's his first time in charge, so, you know. Seems okay. Yeah, it's no big deal.
1: So you guys take in any of our nightlife yet?
2: Yeah, we ate at Arby's yesterday. (laughs) Oh, man. What? I despise that dude. Sales rep from Indiana. Major fucker. You gotta remember him. Oh, yeah. Lawrence. I don't remember his last name, but he was up there, too. Exactly. Lawrence. Now, he's a new breed of fuck. It's like a special strain of fucker. Oh, I hate that little prissy cocksucker. No kidding. Will you guys cover your ass, he comes up here. Literally. (laughs) I got to head out. I'll catch you guys later. Hey, good to see you. You, too. You like that guy? Him? You kidding me, I hate that prick.
0: So In the Company of Men was released in nineteen ninety seven and it stars Aaron Eckhart and Matt Malloy, and they play these two business executives who are going to an undisclosed city to work on a project. And while they're there, you know, they're at lunch, they're both feeling distraught about the woman in their lives and how their future's going. So Aaron Eckhart's character is Chad, he comes up with an idea to woo a woman and a woman that feels that a whole love life is just lost to her like they're gonna find some sort of like nerdy wallflower girl or something like that and they're both gonna woo her and take her out for dinner dates and she's gonna feel excited having two men going after her and then one day they're just gonna just pull the rug and just dump her hardcore yeah that's the basic premise of in the company of men and 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 Eckhart's character is a very like uh, stereotypical male guy who just sees women as just like objects it's all about you know he, he always looks down on everybody uh, even his friend Howard played by Matt Malloy and Howard is very much he wants to hold badly to be like Chad but he's just lacking that little bit of confidence you know he wants to be rude and he wants to be that go-getter business guy, but he's shy. And while they're wooing this woman, they found this woman named Christine, played by Stacy Edwards. And Christine is deaf. I mean, that's her only big flaw. Otherwise, she's beautiful. And so while they're both wooing her, Howard starts to develop feelings for her for real. But Christine has her interest in Chad, mainly because Chad's a better-looking person. Howard is not. And it's a movie where every one of these people in this movie can be seen as bad. And I find that to be very interesting. And I love the sort of like, I will not say it's a twist ending, but it does twist at your heart and your emotions. Uh, so yeah, it's a rough movie to watch. I mean, it's not necessarily disturbing. There's no like heavy gore scenes. It just really makes you feel uncomfortable, mainly because you're partaking this are these two horrible men, and we're watching them as our main character. Uh, It would be one thing if the movie was done through the eyes of the woman in this, but no, our main focus is on these two guys. Uh, So yeah, uh, In the Company of Men, it's a really well-done movie. It's all dialogue-driven. Um, so if that's not your thing, it may be hard to recommend. In fact, all of his early films are just dialogue-driven, but I have to give In the Company of Men* out of four stars. It is a solid three, all right? Uh, but moving on to our next feature, uh, in 1988, Neil Butte had a bigger budget and the help of a studio system for his next feature, Your Friends and Neighbors. Here's a clip, and I gotta warn you that the audio kind of goes in and out a little bit, So, but still, listen. Thank you. You think you're good? Look, fuck? No.
3: Good. I'm asking you to Good. Good? What do you mean good? What kind of question is that? I'm asking... I'm saying, are you, you know, like a, a good person? Hey, I'm eating lunch. So? So why do you invite me here? Ask me if I'm good or not? I just... uh, Good. This girl tried to dumb me once. So I got my hands in some hospital stationery, and I sent her this letter informing her that she had appeared on a list of previous partners of a patient of mine who had just tested HIV positive. You did not do that. Oh, yeah. Come on. So you decide. The bitch deserved it. She never understood me. And it was a good joke. But am I good for doing it? Fuck if I know. All I do know is I did it. And I find a certain clarity in the gesture. Don't you think we're gonna have to, like, pay for all this in the end? Possibly. I mean, if there ends up being a god or something like that uh, whole eternity thing out there, then yeah, probably so. I don't know. We'll see. But until then, around my
0: time. Okay?
3: The interim is mine. So
0: in 1998, with a slightly higher budget, Butte releases Your Friends and Neighbors. And this movie. Is about two couples, two signal people, and the sort of like uh, manipulation they are doing with each other. Um, it stars Amy Bredeman, Aaron Eckhart, Ben Stiller, uh, Natasha Kinsky, Catherine Keener, Jason Patrick. So in this movie, you have Catherine Keener and Ben Stiller as a couple, and they're going through some miracle problems. And then you have uh, Amy Brenneman and Aaron Aaron Eckhart. They're going through some problems as well. And then Ben Stiller and Amy Brenneman start having an affair with each other. Uh, Catherine Keener starts having an affair with another woman named uh, Sherry, played by Natasha Kinsky. And then you have uh, Jason Patrick, who is basically playing the Aaron Eckhart role in the movie In the Company of Men. And it's a movie where all these people are very successful, they eat in, you know, plush restaurants and go to art museums, and they all have very well-defined careers, but they're all just really horrible people. And I like the fact that it's all kind of set indoors, and it reminds me of a movie that I need to see called Exterminating Angels, which is about uh, people who are stuck in this room and they cannot leave. So the fact that it takes indoors at in all these places, like, there's like no exterior shots, so you don't know exactly what city it is, but they all kind of feel trapped in their whole like uh, narcissism. And it's a movie that I mentioned in the beginning intro, got an NC-17 rating just for the dialogue. And I think that is due to one sequence where uh, Jason Patrick's character and Ben Stiller's Stiller's character and uh, Aaron Eckhart's character, they're all talking about the best sets they ever had. And Jason Patrick's uh, recall um, is something I can understand why that got an NC-17 rating. Um, I don't want to spoil it, if you haven't seen the movie before, um, if you want to message me on Twitter, I can definitely just tell you about what it is if you don't want to know, or I can send you the link to the clip. Uh, but yeah, I know Roger Ebert gave this movie, you know, high rating, and even had played as um, his uh, Ebert, Pe- Ebert Fest not too long ago. Uh, but then after uh, Your Friends and Neighbors, uh, then we go into a much different movie for Neil A. And, and I'm talking about 2000's Nurse Betty. Uh Nurse Betty stars a Academy Award winner Renee Zellweger and it's got Morton Freeman and Chris Rock. And um also oh my gosh, who's that guy? Uh, oh Great Teneer. It's got Great Teneer in there. And the story about Nurse Betty, it's about this uh waitress at this uh sort of like dive restaurants And she's married to a car salesman, played once again by her neck And she's not really appreciated in her marriage, and she's feeling kind of lonely. And her only source of happiness is a soap opera called A Reason to Love, uh, which stars Greg Kinnear's character there. And one night, she, and uh, slightly spoiled here, but not too much of a spoiler because it's revealed in the trailer, but her husband... Is killed by two hitmen, played by uh, Morgan Freeman and Chris Rock. And after she witnessed this, she just completely loses her mind and snaps and believes she is a character in the soap opera, A Reason to Love. So she decides to pack up her stuff and go be with the love of her life, and high jeans and romance, whatnot, ensues. And it's a very sweet movie, but it's it's a romantic comedy where it has sprinkles of like really disturbing stuff going on with it. Um, so if you tone that stuff down, it easily could have gotten like a PG-13 rating, but I can understand why this movie has an R rating. It's it's very sweet, and I think the juxtaposition between the disturbing elements and the sweet romance patterns worked very well for this movie. But if you've seen Neela Bute's other movies and some of the dialogue that was in those movies and the premises then this seemed like a very odd choice for a movie uh especially for like a big budgeted movie because i remember universal pictures released this movie um and it did okay at the box office it wasn't like a huge hit uh but it did okay um and then after that he re teamed up again with aaron eckhart and i will say gwyneth paltrow to do a movie called possession and possession. I only saw once. It's about uh, two writers who are investigating about these love letters written by people in the Victorian age, and somehow their investigation of this couple connects with the two, you know, sleuth writers in the modern, di- in the modern time area. Yeah, it's it's okay it's not that great it's okay i mean it's watchable i just don't really remember much about it though uh it's very much a period piece mixed in with like a modern love story uh and it's one that he adapted from a book and i thought it was okay but it wasn't anything that great um and then Mila bute has a return to form with the movie uh the shape of things uh, here is the trailer
1: You're cute.
2: I don't like your hair. Thanks. Can I call you?
1: Okay. Why do you like me? What?
3: Why would you like me? I'm not anything.
1: Don't worry about why when what is right in front of you. I think everyone should see themselves doing it, and their friends should see it, too. Adam, what's up with you? You lose weight. He cut his hair or something. I'm very proud of you. You amaze me. And you amaze me. If you could alter just one thing about that, the idea of you having some surgery, it's an experience.
3: She likes it. What I want to know is, do you like it?
0: What is that girl doing to
2: you? You don't take my calls now? Tell me what to do, anything you want.
1: Give them up as friends. What, did she give you a haircut and now you're her puppy?
3: From Focus Features comes a new film by acclaimed director Neil
0: LaBute.
1: Did you like what you saw? Did it get you hot?
2: I just hope the next time we pass each other, I recognize who the hell you are.
0: Gretchen Maul, Paul Rudd, Rachel Weiss,
3: and Fred Weller.
1: It's a living example of our obsession with the surface of things.
3: The Shape of Things.
0: All right, so The Shape of Things was a 2003 movie um, starring Rachel Weiss, Paul Rudd, Gretchen Mall and Frederick Weller. And Paul Rudd, he's like this very nerdy guy who works at an art museum. I think he's security, I don't really know. And he meets up with this art student named uh, Evelyn, played by Rachel Weiss, And the two of them start up a relationship with each other. Now, I mentioned before, Paul Rudd's character as Adam is very kind of frumpy, shy, nerdy guy who doesn't dress right and he's slightly overweight. And after both him and Rachel West's character get together, Rachel starts changing things about him. First of all, it's his clothes. He starts wearing, like, more trendy stuff. Uh, Soon, she's getting him to eat better, so he's getting to be more in shape. Uh, She gets him to get, like, contact, so he doesn't have to wear glasses anymore. And, true, he's starting to, like, look better, but his friends, played by Gretchen Maul and Frederick Weller, they're starting to know us you know how he's changing more personally about it. Uh, and I think the ending of the movie is great. I, I know I saw this movie to friends and the ending of it really ticked them off. I mean they were really angry about it, but I just freaking loved it and I laughed. And I do agree with what Rich Weiss's character says at the end of it. Um, I don't agree with her actions, but I kind of agree with her statement, All right, if that makes sense. I don't agree with exactly what she did at her end project, but I agree with what was the meaning behind it. So yeah, so 2003's uh, The Shape of Things, great movie. Uh, both I think this one and uh, In the Company of Men were originally plays, and I I would love to see The Shape of Things on the stage because I think it would have a much more bigger impact on stage than it does, you know, a screen. It's like one of those movies you want to hear other people's reactions to the movie. Alright. And then after that movie, uh the Sape of Things, we come to Two Thousand Six's The Wicker Man.
1: Tell I yes, I, I think it yeah. How to get burned. How did it get burned? How did it get burned? How did it get burned? I don't know!
0: And uh, the Wicker Man is a remake, I believe, of, you know, I think it was like 1972 movie. Um, and here's the funny thing, too. I saw the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man way, I'm sorry, that was 1973. So I saw the remake of the Wicker Man before I saw the original. And when I went back and saw the original, I was still shocked and surprised, even though I knew the ending of what was going to happen. And uh, I really can't tell you how this movie failed. Um, mainly it fails because it just wasn't necessarily scary. I think the main problem with The Wicked Man, the remake, is that it made it a whole thing, uh, like a man, me, I think the one that made it, the movie fail because it was like a, a man against woman, type of situation because in the original it was mostly just uh, pagan versus Catholicism and then when you change that aspect and have it be about women versus men it just kind of fails execution. and maybe it would have helped if uh, Neela Butte brought on a uh, woman screenwriter to do the adaptation or even a director um, and I wouldn't say it's not so much Nicolas Cage overacting. and I'm pretty sure he's just doing everything that Neil Butte is telling him to do. Uh, but when you're watching the movie, you're just waiting for things to go wrong. There's like no mystery. Uh, there's no tension or suspense throughout that whole movie. Um, the only good thing about that movie is the freak out that Nicolas Cage has towards the end of it. Um, and then after you have that movie, The Wicker Man, uh, he follows that up with another remake... Which was Death at a Funeral. I know he made a movie between that called uh, Lakeview Terrace uh, with Samuel Jackson, but I don't really recall that movie, and I don't think I ever saw it all the way through, so I'm not really talking about it. But he did do a remake of Death at a Funeral. Now, the original came out, I think it was like 2007 or 2008. And a brilliant movie directed by Frank Oz. I highly recommend watching Death at a Funeral. And then he did a version uh, which was uh, starring Chris Rock, returning from Nurse Betty. And features like, uh, I want to say, Martin Lawrence is in that movie as well. Um, yeah, the only returning member, Danny Glover's in that one, the only returning member of Death at a Funeral, the original, was Peter Dinklage. And here's the thing, too, about the remake of Death at a Funeral. It's not like a bad movie. I mean, it's funny, I mean, all the jokes land, the problem is, is that I've seen it before, in the original. Now, if uh, the UK version was just only a play, or a TV series, and then they made an adaptation based on that, it would have been a lot better, Uh, but as it sits, uh, yeah, not great. Uh, Like I said before, if if this version came up first, I would appreciate it a little bit more, but... Or even, I just feel like the remake was just too soon. It came out just a few years after the original one was. There's got to be a rule. There's got to be at least 10 years before you do a remake. That's the minimum time. 10 years before you can actually do a successful remake of a property. Okay, The longer in time, the better I can forgive it. Uh, so yeah. And then after that, I really have not seen much movies of his. I know he has done other work and work I have not seen, but... After you had two theatrical movies fail, your career tends to go downwards. And I think now after I look over its filmography, I can see exactly where Neil Butte failed at. So after you do one remake, and that remake is bad, you do not follow it up with another remake. That is just death. You just do not do that. Especially if the original was a success. All right? I mean, with The Wicker Man, it's been some time, and I can understand why you want to do a remake, because at the time, remakes were starting to become big, especially in the horror community. I mean, you were having remakes of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and remakes of uh, Friday the 13th, um, and Psycho. So I can understand why you wanted to do a remake of The Wicker Man, because that was a successful movie. But when that failed... <sighs> now, true, we did do like Terrace, which is a different movie but you don't follow up another remake with another remake, especially one that was made too soon. Uh, so yeah, and then, like I said before, he did direct some other movies after that, movies I have not seen, uh, like A Velvet Morning or something like that, and one called uh, Dirty Weekend. Yeah, so I I was tempted to check out those other movies I am, um, but I will have to... Give you my report of it some later. Yeah, some Velvet Mormon, Mormon, Morning, some Velvet Mormon, and Dirty Weekend are kind of the last two movies. And then he has a TV series he created called Billy and Billy, I guess, uh, which I have never seen. Um, yeah. So, uh, and they dread episodes of like Billions um, and um, The Island. So. Yeah, like I said before, it's the whole notion of The Wicker Man. That kind of brought him down. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of my series right now for forgotten filmmakers. Hope you enjoyed this. I kind of went all over the place with this episode, and I apologize immensely. Um, But in that case, if you enjoyed this show, please head on over to our website, cinemarecall.net, and check out all of our other older episodes As for our next episode, I'm excited because I'm hoping either on Friday or on Saturday, I'm going to be posting an episode with guest Michael Scott. He is the co-host of the Dana Butler Show, and both me and him, or him and I, we're going to be discussing movie trailers. And we're going to be talking about, you know, what works in movie trailers and what doesn't work. And we're going to get into a fun conversation about that. That should post on either Friday or Saturday. And of course, you can find those episodes when I post either like Stitcher, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, most places you can find podcast shows on. We also have a Patreon page. And... Patreon is for bonus episodes not available on our main feed, and that is patreon.com/slash/cinemarecallpod. Greatly appreciate the support there. As always, you can follow everything we do on social media. We are Cinema Recall Podcast on Twitter at cinema underscore recall, and then Instagram, Facebook. We are Cinema Recall Podcast. Alright? Uh, but that's it right now. I'm the Vern, and I hope you all have a great week, alright? Take care. Goodbye. (laughs)